Good morning. When Jesus said, narrow is the gate, we decided to take that literally. And so we're continuing to make it more and more narrow how to get into our building. We just want to apply these spiritual principles to when you drive in. So remember when we said once again that we were going to build a new building? We're not joking. I've been trying to convince Brian and that, that it'd be a good swimming pool in the front. He's on vacation, so we're going to do an extra offering to try to put the whole swimming pool in the front. It'll be safe for kids. We'll have a gate. It's going to be amazing. One of the things before I begin is I need to highlight three people real quick. One of the things is when you see Jess Mulvaney, she is our pastor, one of our pastors of women's and hospitality, tell her thank you. Because she has diligently worked to be able to make it so that we can come in here in an organized fashion. Also tell her her blazer, her blazer looks phenomenal today. Another is Steve Woodworth. He worked really hard to make sure Steve and John have worked hard to be able to get in here. And another thing, I just have to take this moment to just celebrate Gene. I just watched him as he was out there to go the founding pastor is in the corner of a dead-end street with a grin the size of Chautauqua, smiling, bringing everyone in, and I've not seen that before. So, praise Gene from whom all blessings flow. We are in a series, Upside Down Kingdom. Brian preached last week on fear and courage, and what I want to do is I want us to dive in today, and I want to spend our time looking at abundance over scarcity. Abundance over scarcity. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I pray that you're here. And Jesus, I just take these notes and I lift them up to you. I give thanks for what you want to do. And now may you break them and hand them out. Do all the things you want to do, Jesus. And I pray that what's of me will be forgotten. What's of you will be remembered, and we be a people that begin to make the shift from living in a culture of scarcity to a people who live in the kingdom culture of abundance. May it happen right now and right here for your glory. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever been in the middle of a situation and pause and go, this seems ridiculous? Middle of a situation and take a step back and say, this seems a little ridiculous. For me, this happened in March and April when the world was beginning a worldwide pandemic and there began to be the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. <laughs> the one thing is there was a moment as we're all like, there's not enough toilet paper and I don't even need any. We have a 96 pack from Costco and going, get in the car, Destry, we've gotta go to get the TP. And I'm asking, is one of the symptoms of COVID from that end and she's like I don't know I was like we better get it we need to have the toilet paper and then it became like the new currency instead of like paper money was toilet paper neighbors are like trading canned goods for toilet paper and then it became you go into other places and there were like secret stashes I hear office max has toilet paper you're praying that you go into your house Lord Jesus I don't have any toilet paper I know you turn water into wine will you turn my printer paper to toilet paper Jesus because we are in a shortage. There's scarcity. And all of a sudden, as soon as we begin to get here scarcity, something happens in us. And we begin to panic. And we go and we move from blame to anger to fear to hoarding in one moment. 
the whole minimalist movement went out the window when we heard toilet paper was gone. They're like, I'm not a minimalist when it comes to that stuff. We all know what it's like having to send that text of desperation. Please, I'm in the restroom. Will you bring some toilet paper? Don't act like you're not. You don't have that arm move that's just awkward for everyone, and it's really silly. So, but one of the things that began to happen is I was in the middle of this and going, let me take a step back here for a moment. Why am I panicking about toilet paper? And I began to realize and think about it as I look back that we've been in this for a long, long time, but something happened over the last 18 months where we just are aware of the scarcity of toilet paper the scarcity of food, the scarcity of water. And this is legit things, but also it kind of gets a little bit ridiculous. Then we go into the scarcity for doctors, the scarcity of hospital rooms, the scarcity that there will be a vaccine, scarcity after scarcity after scarcity. And it begins to just kind of solidify that we're living in a culture of scarcity. And scarcity is the idea, is there are limited resources that, and there may not be enough to go around and I may not get what I need and want. Up until Wednesday, this was for you guys a sermon of like, I probably need to tell Cornerstone to stop living in a culture of scarcity until I ran smack dab into a wall where I couldn't get something that I needed. And I had made a phone call and they're like, oh, that's not gonna be available for you. Uh, Excuse me? Yeah, I'm sorry, that's not gonna be available. So I do what every good person does, I hang up. Can I talk to somebody else? because I'm gonna find my way in. And they kept telling me that is not available to you. And all of a sudden, I felt this panic that was riding in on blame. And I am going to one of the healthcare systems wanting to, let me speak to your president, because I wanna talk about how this is not a good policy or system. Like I'm going to the top. Well, what I realized is I got blocked from something I needed, and all of a sudden scarcity rose up, and it came from blame. And I'm like, give me someone to talk to. And then anger, oh, this is ridiculous. Not even a do they know who I am because that didn't matter at all. (laughs) Then it went to panic. Cognitive to physical. And I began to go, oh no, what if I don't get what I need? So I went swimming. I went to the YMCA, I didn't even look at anyone because that's my happy place. Because the one thing is I don't get in trouble when I'm swimming. I can't lash out or yell at anyone. I can't harm anyone, I don't harm myself. And I can get in there and I can think because I'm going back and forth and back and forth. And it began to expose and going because I went from blame to anger to panic to then this will never happen to me again. And I made this inner vow of I will never go without what I need once again. And as I swam my laps, I got out and realized, one, incredibly out of shape. Two, (laughs) wait a minute. This is my message. You did it to me again, God. I want to tell people about this. I don't want to live it out. But I was, the funny thing about toilet paper, but all of a sudden when it became something that was really needed and really important to me and it was taken away, I began to look and I began to panic and blame and get angry and make these vows of I will never let this happen again. And guess what's going to happen again? I'm going to have things that I need not happen in the future. And there's no way for me to control it. Brene Brown wrote this years before the pandemic. 
in her book, Daring Greatly. She says, worrying about scarcity is our culture's version of post-traumatic stress. Scarcity thrives in a culture where everyone is hyper aware of lack. Does that sound familiar at all? Everything from safety and love to money and resources feels restricted or lacking. We spend inordinate amounts of time calculating how much we have, want, and don't have, and how much everyone else has, needs, and wants. The greatest casualties of a culture of scarcity are our willingness to own our vulnerabilities and our ability to engage with the world from a place of worthiness. After doing this work for the past 12 years and watching scarcity ride roughshod over families, organizations, and communities, I say that one thing we have in common is that we're sick of feeling afraid. Can I get a witness on that? We want to dare greatly. We're tired of the national conversation centering around what should I fear? What should we blame? We want to be brave. Our culture of scarcity is defined by the sentence, never enough. There is never enough. So you see, I'm building off of Brian's message last week, but this idea of one of the things that I think that the Lord has done is that in all of this, if we'll take a moment and pause and take a step back, he's painted the dragon red for us. And what I mean by that is Leanne Payne has a prayer where she prays and she says, Lord, may you paint the dragon red. May I see the enemy and what the enemy is doing on and may you paint it red so I make aware. And so what I want to testify today is I believe that the living God through the Holy Spirit is painting the dragon red in our culture and saying you are living in a culture of scarcity. And I want to invite you to live in the kingdom of abundance. Does that make sense? You are living in a culture of scarcity. And every time you go to your phone, to a screen, to a, it is validating what you are seeing. Oh, there's not enough. Just look at how advertising works. It's brilliant. Limited for a limited time only. I better get that. I don't even want it. Better get it. Might not be available. I have 96 rolls, but I need 327 rolls. But what happens is that these little subtle ways, and the Lord paints the dragon red, and he says, look, that's not the way of my kingdom. My kingdom is a kingdom of abundance, not a culture of scarcity. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at the perfect life of Jesus. Because I almost see him reaching with his finger going, come here. I got a better way. I've got a different way. We see in John 10, Jesus says, I found, so I quote it correctly. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. This culture comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. A thief, what does a thief do? Take what you have, take what you need. What does Jesus say? I got more than enough for you. And he invites us and he says, I want you to live in this culture of abundance. And this is what abundance is. It is more than enough, more than sufficient. The Greek word actually means more than sufficient, over and above, beyond measure. Isn't that beautiful? Scarcity says limited, might be not enough for everyone. You're not going to get what you need and want. Jesus says more than enough, unlimited. I've got more than enough, your cup's going to overflow. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the story of the wedding of Canaan. In John chapter 2, 
And guys, I'm just going to not read that. So just throw it up there. People can read along. Um, in John chapter 2, Jesus has just gathered some disciples. And I love his first action. It isn't, we're going to perform a seminar. We're going to be going to the Jerusalem Holiday Inn. I've reserved a conference room for us. I have a PowerPoint presentation. I want to lay out my mission and vision. They say, hey, where are you staying? He says, come follow me. They hang out for an evening. He's like, hey, I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. You guys want to go? Sure. Sounds like a great time. They go to a wedding. I love that about Jesus. They go to the wedding of Canaan, and they show up because Jesus' mom is helping out at the wedding. And the wedding's going, and weddings would last for like a week. And one of the root of the word wedding or feast is actually drink. So drink is important to a celebration. And so what happens is they're, day, they're into the wedding, and all of a sudden they're like, uh-oh, we ran out of wine. They're out of wine. The core element of the feast, the celebration, is the wine, and they don't have it. I was thinking about this week. Well, who runs out of wine at a wedding? Someone that lets Jesus and his 12 disciples show up. Like, uninvited. Like, Jesus was invited. He's like, uh, my plus 12 will be with me. I did this at my own wedding where days before I saw friends from high school and I just invited people. And my wife's like, you're an idiot. We ran out of food. It was, it was, a, it was wonderful. And she's forgiven me. After tw 19 years of marriage, she forgave me two years ago. So we're good. But one of the things, you go to the wedding, and I love the fact that there's hospitality. They're partying, there's celebration, and then you just see panic. And Mary goes, I know what to do. And she goes to Jesus. Jesus, we're out of wine. And he looks at her and says, what's that got to do with me? I'm fine. And she says, he doesn't even answer her. She turns to someone, do whatever he says. Like, thwarts the conversation. Jesus the Messiah is telling his mom no. And she's like, and, and I imagine Jesus the Father, Jesus looks up to the Father who he does all the things he sees the Father's doing. He's like, you better listen to that woman. <laughs> I ain't messing with her. <laughs> but Jesus looks at her. And one of the things is, if I could just put this in there briefly, there's a beautiful thing that happened here is Mary was sacrificing something for the abundance of others. Because when Jesus looks to her and says, it's not my time yet, and then she turns and says, go do what he has, what he says. She's sacrificing her intimate relationship with him because no longer it will be hidden that he's the Messiah. They have a beautiful connection where they've treasured everything. She treasures things in her hearts. She is willing to sacrifice to go, you know what? This is a worthy cause. I will sacrifice the fact that everybody's going to know what I know so that this party can continue. Because what would have happened is if they ran out of wine, the guests are like, this one, this is a bummer. Remember that wedding? That was a bummer. They ran out of wine. Well, Jesus says, all right, then I'll do it. And he turns to the attendants and he says, see those ceremonial basins? And that would have been for purification. And there were six of them and they would be cement. And each one would have 20 to 30 gallons that it could hold. That's two kegs for those of you who like to party. Each one is two kegs. <laughs> so he says, go fill them with water. 
So they fill them with water, and they bring them up there, and then Jesus says, go take this, and they take a sample of it, and they take it to the person who's attending over the wedding, and they take a drink, and they go, oh my word, this is amazing wine. Why have you been holding out on us? You know, most people put out the good stuff first, and after everyone's got a little bit, you know, then, then they'll bring the cheaper stuff in. That's when you go to the PBR at the wedding. You've had the good stuff, and then you go to the PBR. But in this situation, they say, you know what? You've saved the best for last. And the party goes on. I love the principle here because it shows so much. Because in the midst of this, what man would have done for sufficiency, God does for abundance. He brings six 30-gallon containers of wine to a party that's already been going. Kind of did a little bit of art math here, but that's like 1,600 servings of alcohol. I don't know how many people were there, but they're going to have a good time from there on out. But one of the things in the midst of this is I love the fact that it shows the abundance of God. That what God, man would have done to go, well, here's enough to get us through. Jesus bursts on the scene, and his first action is to take water into wine and to make a ridiculous amount and to show the people there is more than enough. It is more than sufficient. And so right on the scene, he bursts on and shows in the midst of people's lack, he breaks the culture of scarcity, and he says, I invite you to a kingdom of abundance where the wine will overflow. Why did Jesus do this? Because he knows the way the Father is. He knew the scriptures. Got my notes all jambalaya here. There we go. That would have been helped before. He knows the scriptures. He knows the nature of his Father. He knows in his mind, in this situation, this is an opportunity for me to show that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And then he puts into physical place the idea of you prepare a table before me, anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. The word that became flesh and dwelt among them now is causing the abundance of God that is in heaven to be activated in the people right in front of them. To see you were in lack, and now you will lack nothing. And this is just an example of that. Then we see, and he remembers in Psalm 36, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O Lord. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Listen to this. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your rivers of delight. For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light, we see light. What Jesus was doing at the wedding of Canaan is showing this wine is just a physical representation of the abundance of the living God. Where his love is higher than the heavens. Where his faithfulness is so vast. Where they eat in the abundance of the house of the Lord and you give drink for them for the rivers of your delight. Now, this word delight in Hebrew is Eden. It's the word for Eden, which is paradise, complete provision. And so Jesus is saying in this moment, 
This is just a physical example of living in the kingdom of abundance, that you will eat of the abundance of God and that you will drink from his delight and his provision. Another story, just to show how Jesus radically comes on the scene and in that time is shifting. Now you have to remember this time, this is in, in the time when Jesus is, 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 is living in, in, uh, in Israel, they're occupied by a foreign government, there's economic problems, there's social problems, and he bursts on the scene and he lifts their head like a father would do to a child and says, stop looking at the ground of where there's lack and look to the heavens where there is abundance. And he does this, he gathers. He, he goes to a place, gets in a boat, gets onto the other shore to get away from people. And when he shows up, there's a 5,000 person crowd. And he's teaching them. And as the crowd goes, as it goes on, he says to the disciples, hey guys, why don't you get them some snacks? I love the ridiculousness of this question because it's a setup for fail for the disciples. They're like, okay, we'll play along. Uh, where will we get food for all these people? And Jesus says, give me what you have. And they, you know the story, five loaves, two fishes. And he brings them a hair. And there's something beautiful what happens right now because the veil of the kingdom of abundance gets torn back and the kingdom of scarcity and lack begins to fall away as Jesus does these three actions. First thing he does is he looks to heaven. The next thing he does, he gives thanks. Actually, he does four things, sorry. Then he breaks the bread and then he gives it out. What he does in this is he shows us how abundance is activated in our lives. And this is how it's activated. You recognize the source. The first thing we do to activate the kingdom of abundance in our lives is to begin to turn our eyes from the things we don't have. We turn our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our souls, our bodies, our relationships, everything we have, we begin to turn them to the one who is the unlimited source of all things. And he turns to the Father and he looks to him. Does that make sense? How many times <laughs> when I hit a wall of getting something I need, my first reaction is to go, how do I provide this for myself? How am I gonna make this happen? When that can't happen, I blame everyone for why they didn't take care of me. And I begin looking around, how can I make this happen? Instead of the first reaction in all things big, little, and in between to go, I need to look to the source. The one who says I own the cattle on a thousand hills. The one who spoke and there was light and there was life. The one who is the beginning and the end. The one who the earth, heavens are his and the earth is his footstool. And begin to look to the source. And then we recognize the source. The next thing, how do we activate abundance in our lives? We receive with gratitude, not entitlement. There's a big difference. Jesus looks and he takes the, the little sack lunch the Lunchables, ancient Lunchable, and he lifts it up to heaven, and he says, thank you. And he responds to the abundance of God with gratitude, not entitlement. Now, if anybody is to be entitled, it's Jesus, and he wasn't even entitled. But he looked and said, this is yours, and you're giving it to me, and I'm grateful. Someday there'll be another sermon when we talk about the culture of entitlement, but that's not today. That's another dragon that needs painted red. We'll stick with scarcity today. But the first thing we do to activate the living in the kingdom of abundance, which is the upside down kingdom, 
So we look to the source. The second thing we do is we receive with gratitude over entitlement. leave some suspense there. The next thing we see that in Jesus, not only did he look, uh, recognize the source, not only did he receive with gratitude, you bet it, it's an R. He responded with generosity. The first action of generosity was to take that which he had been given and to do what? Give it away. He gives it away. Now, I have wrestled for a few days on why did he break the bread? He could have just like, it all of a sudden just bubbled up and it was many, many, many. But I just want you to sit with it and I can't answer this for you, but there is some reason for you in that text, he said, I break the bread. And the reason for me is he's saying, Aaron, what I want you to do, is I want you to look to the source, I want you to receive a gratitude and then I want you to break off the expectations. That's for me. What's it for you? The next. And then he begins, so he responds with generosity, and they begin to hand it out. And it says it's just handed out over and over, and there's 5,000 men there. That's not even counting women and children. And everybody's eating like, this is great snacks. This is the best. Jesus is making food. And they've made it out of one little lunchable snack. And then after that, the generosity begins to beget generosity, and there's more than enough. There's abundance, more than sufficient. After that, Jesus tells the disciples, go get some baskets and gather it up. One more little tiny principle. We respond with stewardship. They didn't just leave the food and go and like, he'll provide some other ones. That was food for another day. They were able to keep that. And so they responded with generosity. This isn't for me to keep. He couldn't have gone to the disciples and said, 12 of you guys, come here. We're going to have a great meal. Everybody's going to sit out and go home. No, generosity, he gives it out to everyone. And they were to eat their full, and there's more than enough. And then they respond with stewardship. They take care of the abundance in which God had given them. So I believe Jesus is inviting us today through his Holy Spirit, through his word, saying, my son, my daughter, I'm inviting you to a migration from a culture of scarcity that says it's all limited, it's not enough, and you may not get what you want or need. A culture with the symptoms of scarcity like competition and comparison. And he's inviting us to one where it says there is more than enough. Before I move into this last little section, I have to share something this morning that, that I feel like um, this is what the Lord is saying to me about abundance. Because I go, well, Lord, sometimes there's places in my life where it doesn't look like more than enough. It looks like just barely enough. Is anybody else there? This is what I felt he's saying to me and to us. Trust me with the extra, and you steward the enough. Because there's control. What I want him to do is just open up the storehouses of heaven, and I see my finances for the next 70 years of my life, which is not real, because I'll be way dead before then. But I want to know, hey, why don't you show me all that I have? You give that to me, and then I'll take care of it. And he says, no, 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 that's not the way we're going to work. I have more than enough. I have extra. You need to trust that I will give you more than enough. Do you see the subtle transition in that, change in it? To go, oh, 
by keeping me close to you in this and trusting, though you have extra, I must trust you with the extra and trust that you will always give me enough. And that's what he's teaching me in this. And it's not just with money. It's with health. It's with finances. It's with resources. It's with relationships. It's with purpose. It's with so many of those things. And turning to God and say, I'm moving from a, kingdom, uh, from a culture of scarcity to a kingdom of abundance where I will realize that you take care of the extra and will always give me enough. And I will say yes and amen and thank you that you've got enough extra and you'll give me enough. Here's what I'd like to do. We're going to kind of land this plane a little bit. I want you to listen to these scriptures. I'm just going to wait for a moment. I've got a bunch here, and I just want to kind of see which one we're going to go with. But what we're going to do is I want to read over some scriptures to get our minds realizing the abundance of God. Then we're going to go into a time of confession. You don't have to tell anybody but to confess before God, to say, God, you know what? I've lived in a culture of scarcity, and I confess I want to live in a culture of abundance. And then I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to read together the Dayenu prayer, which this is the prayer in Hebrew where it says, this would have been enough, but oh my word, you went and did this. And that's how we're going to end. So would you listen? Just close your eyes and listen. Band can begin to get ready. They don't have to come on stage, though. Holy Spirit, you are here. I bless you in the name of Jesus that your mind may be open to hear the truth, that your spirits may be open to hear the words of God, that your ears bless all of your senses right now. Because this is what God says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hand. 
You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. And God is able to make all and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. I got to read that one again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. And from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. We are like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So what I'd like you to do now is we just hear those words. If you're here today and you're saying, Lord, you know what? You've painted the dragon red for me. I see that this is what I've been living in. I'm living in a culture of scarcity. And it may be rooted from my family system that we grew up saying there's never enough. There are whole generations that live their life and pass that on to other generations that there is not enough. I pray just in this moment before Jesus, you may just confess to say, Lord, this is the culture I've lived in. This is the culture I've bought into. Maybe you just want to open up your hands just as a symbol of that, just to say, Lord, I confess, this is where I've been. As you've made this confession, may you just receive the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. Hmm. And now, just staying in that confession, may you just confess to the Lord in a different way. Lord, I confess that this is exactly what I want. I want to live in the kingdom of abundance. I want to recognize the source. I want to receive with gratitude and not entitlement. And I want to respond with generosity and stewardship. Would you just confess to him and just say, Lord, this is what I want. May it permeate every aspect of my life. In the name of Jesus, we command a spirit of, spirit of scarcity to be gone. 
You've broken the power of scarcity, Lord Jesus. We break that over the lives of the people here. In your name and through your blood. I bless you that you may live in the kingdom of abundance and that you may spend the next day saying, okay, now I need to be trained to be able to see and see glimpses of this and look to the scriptures and see so many times where God did not just do in sufficiency, but he did in abundance, like water from a rock with Moses or Elijah and the widow when she, the oil just poured over and over. Or when the disciples were fishing and they caught nothing and Jesus said, throw your nets on the other side and there was so much it broke the nets. That you may look and say, as I follow in the footsteps of Jesus, I will dwell in the kingdom of abundance all the days of my life. I bless you with that. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, may he seal that. Amen. I want to read this prayer. We're going to put it up there. Sorry, guys, but I like the music behind me. It's real nice. You guys all look great in your black t-shirts. Cornerstone uniform. So Dianu prayer is so profound that they would read this. And it's one of those of like, oh God, you're just showing off now. It's ridiculous. But this is what it says. If you'll follow along up there, it says, if he had brought us out of Egypt and not carried us out judgment and not carried judgments out against them, Dianu, it would have been enough. If he had carried out judgments against them and not given us their wealth, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had given us their wealth and not split the sea for us, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had split the sea for us and not taken us through it on dry land, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had taken us through the sea on dry land and not supplied our needs in the desert for 40 years, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had supplied our needs in the desert for 40 years and had not fed us on the manna, Dainu, it would have been enough if he did not fed us with if he had fed us with manna and not and and uh and he had given us shabbat we're gonna start that one over because i was super excited and then i just if he had if he had fed us with manna and not given us shabbat and not brought us before mount sinu dainu it would have been enough if he had brought us before Sinai and not given us the Torah, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had given us the Torah and not brought us into the land of Israel, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had brought us into the land of Israel and not built for us a holy temple, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had not, if he had sent Jesus the Messiah and not forgave our sins, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had forgiven our sins and not given us eternal life, Dainu, it would have been enough. If he had given us eternal life and not filled us with his spirit, Dainu, it would have been enough. Friends, God is absolutely enough. And I empower you to begin to live this life of moving from a culture of scarcity that you were not intended for, but to dance and dwell in the kingdom of abundance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen.